Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist, keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is the Mental Health Gym. It's the place to go to learn about all kinds of things related to wellness, including positive psychology, my own particular spin on it that I call goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating other wellness-related topics, and it's also the place where you can communicate with me and even suggest guests for future podcasts. As listeners to the podcast know, our goal is to always present you with guests who lead their own lives enthusiastically and from their own perspectives can help us to become the best versions of ourselves throughout the lifespan. And today's guest is certainly no exception and someone who can help us from a particular direction that all of us you know, are going to either face if we haven't already, uh, but if you're growing older, then you gotta be thinking about what happens. Are you going to retire? Are you going to keep working? Uh, how do you plan for it? And so on. So it's with the great pleasure that I bring you Merz Tariq, who is a certified financial planner and a partner at Peace of Mind Wealth Management, which is located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Merz has over a decade of expertise in retirement planning, and he's dedicated to helping clients pursue their ideal retirement. He's an author and co-host of the Secure Your Retirement show, and I believe that's also the name of his book. And Merz speaks on investing with risk management, income planning, and tax planning for and during retirement. And so it is with great pleasure that I welcome Merz Tariq to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Ron, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And thanks for that nice introduction. Sure. Well, well-deserved. And uh, let me start out, though, by asking about uh, the, the first thing that I used to introduce you with. I said, you're a certified financial planner. Now, I know there are a lot of people and a lot of titles of people who work in the retirement space from uh, attorneys to accountants to insurance salespeople to, uh, I guess, some people in my field who focus on, on retirement. What is it that makes a certified financial planner a certified financial planner? And what do you bring to the table that, that can help? people to secure their retirement? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, the, we do live in a world that there are a, a, a plethora of different initials that can go behind the name. And, and sometimes that just becomes the desire is to add, add more and more certifications and stuff. And we kind of get lost in the weeds as to what those really mean sometimes. But uh, certified financial planner, it's kind of what it sounds like. We're, we're here to help you. And, and it can be in different aspects of your life. You can have a, a CFP is the short, short term for it, but a, you can have a CFP that's really there to help you 
come up with the financial plan from a young age. You can have it where they're there to kind of help you think through the, your retirement years and how are you going to get there and how it's going to work when you actually get to that phase of retirement. Uh, my firm, we focus with people that are close to retirement or already retired. So that's kind of our niche. But a CFP has to have a lot of education behind them. It's almost like it is a certificate, but it is almost like if you were to go and get a master's. So the education took about a year, a little bit over a year as far as education went. And then you do have to pass a very rigorous exam. At the time that I took it years ago, that was a two-day exam, a total of about 11 hours in various aspects of the financial world. So investments, tax planning, retirement planning, income strategies, estate planning, um, all these different aspects, we have to have a lot of knowledge around. And then um, once you actually finally do all that, you pass the test, then you have to have valid experience before you can start using those letters. So I knew coming out of college, I went to NC State University here locally in Raleigh, and I knew that I wanted to become this at some point in my life. I worked at a bank for a little bit, and I was taking night classes to get the education under my belt, and then eventually found the firm that I've been with for now 10 years. Um, But the CFP, the big thing that comes with the CFP, if if you're ever in search of a financial advisor, like you said, there are a lot of advisors out there. Some are CPAs, which are not technically advisors. They're really there for your tax situation. Some are attorneys that are really there in the, in the financial world for your estate planning, like your wills, your power of attorneys, those documents. But then in the world of financial advisors, we do have all of these different licenses and things. And a CFP is one of them. The biggest differentiator that a CFP brings to the table is this thing called a fiduciary. You may have heard of that thrown around in the media Uh, Over the past couple of years, the importance of a fiduciary, especially when working with a financial advisor, is that they have to put their your the client's interest ahead of their own. So they're not out there to make commissions. They're not out there to just uh, serve themselves. They're out there to serve the client. And we are as CFPs, we're held to that fiduciary fiduciary standard by law. So that's one of the biggest differentiators is the fiduciary standard. And then also, of course, all the experience and all of the knowledge that comes with becoming a CFP. So just so I understand, if uh, somebody deals with, say, somebody from a brokerage firm, do they not have the fiduciary responsibility or is it, uh, I'm a little unclear on it. Do you sell financial products? And if so, how is that different than, how's the fiduciary responsibility make things different? Mm-hmm. So you could work with someone at a, at a brokerage firm that does have fiduciary responsibility and also does not have. It all comes down again to their licensing. So you could be working with someone at a Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley or Charles Schwab, and they don't have that licensing. And so they're not held to a fiduciary standard. But you can have advisors there that do have CFPs. There's also a Series 6, a Series 65 license that also do require the fiduciary standard too. But basically, in the world of of financial planning or CFPs, there's there's two types. One is one that's going to build you a plan and then say, we'll talk through the plan and say, "Hey, hey, guys, we've come up with this great plan. Now, Ron, you go and implement that. We send in the plan that you need to have a portfolio consisting of X, Y, and Z. So Ron, you go and implement that. So that CFP or that advisor's job was really just to come up with the plan, get it written down based off of your scenario, and then you take it, Ron, and you go run with it. 
The other is what my firm is, is basically we are CFPs, so we have the knowledge. We come up with the plan, but we also implement it. So people that work with us, say they worked at, I don't know, IBM for 30, 40 years and amass a certain amount of money in their 401ks, and eventually they start thinking about retirement. We help them think it through, come up with that plan, and we also help with the, the money side of it. So investing the funds to meet a certain goal, and then and in turn, coming up with this whole concept of, hey, can I retire? What's it going to look like for me? What assets do I need to be drawing off of? Oh, what about Social Security? How does that play into the plan? What about pensions, long-term care? Really everything. Then we become a full-on holistic look at the overall situation for a client. So you can have, again, long-winded answer to your question. You can have one that really just gives you the plan and the other that does everything for you. And I guess as you're talking, I mean, you're, you're, you're a young guy, certainly compared to me. Um, <laughs> how did you decide to go this route. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Because it seems like, uh, I don't know, I, uh, thinking about retirement when I was in my 20s, 30s, 40s was not very prominent in my mind. Probably should have been, but uh, I guess I'm wondering how somebody your age, uh, and you were much younger than when you got into this, uh, really thought in those terms. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, I've always had a knack for finances, a knack for numbers. So I'm a first-generation American. My parents, we were a Pakistani family. We came to the U.S. and and basically have that American dream story where we didn't really have much growing up. Uh, so every dollar that my parents earned was very, very well thought out. So from a very young age, I started to develop really good habits, uh, almost too good, if you had asked my wife, you know, in the sense of budgeting and all that stuff and really being on top of the finances. And so I've learned that from the beginning because it was not an easy life growing up. We, we lived uh, very, very tight, very, uh, if you wanted to say penny pinching, but that paid off. Eventually, my dad got some really good jobs and we ended up having a very good uh, upbringing, but there's some really tough times there at the beginning. So that's where I got my, my numbers and my money type of orientation from. From there, I knew that I wanted to go somewhere in the world of finance. And so I went to, went to college and said, I'm going to get a finance degree. But in the world of finances, you can go anywhere. You can go into taxes. You can go into corporate finance. You can become a financial analyst. And then somehow I landed on becoming a financial advisor. And the way I did that, actually, I had no idea what I was going to do until I hit my senior year. And I took this one class called personal finance as introduction to personal finance. And I was like, well, this sounds pretty good. Started to learn more and more about it. Realized very quickly that I was pretty good at it. And I was also very interested in it. And it's in that one class that I took as an elective. It wasn't a requirement that I learned about this thing called a CFP. So I said, I'm going to get that one day. And, um, and that's kind of where that, that started my journey where I started working at the bank taking the night classes to get the CFP education and then connecting up with where I work now and working in the personal world of financial planning. So kind of, that's kind of the journey there, but it's always been in the back of my mind somewhere that I was going to work in this type of arena. What about the average person who doesn't have that kind of orientation and, you know, goes through their, their early adulthood and, uh, if if they're fortunate, I guess money gets put away for them by their employer and so on. But but when should a person buy when should a person really begin to 
start thinking in terms of, you know, what they're doing with their money, perhaps seeking help from a specialist and so on? Yeah, my answer to this is always the sooner the better, but and it's always it's never too late. I think you always need to have a plan. I think you always need to have goals that you're trying to reach. And I, you know, we see it all the time. I have colleagues, I have friends in different work worlds. I and you may see it too. You probably have a lot of friends that work in the uh, medical profession, where if you don't have the good habits from the beginning, it makes playing this catch-up game very difficult. And so you can have someone that makes a, not a great income, but they have really good habits and they save very well. And, and they end up having a very, very well thought out and a very comfortable and exciting retirement. And you can have the flip side where they made all the money in the world, but they also built these habits to where they had to spend all that money in the world and, and they didn't do a good job saving. So it's not always about how much money you earn. It's, it's way more about how much you can save and what your habits are uh, when it comes to spending. So, you know, there's, we have clients that have a few hundred thousand saved up for retirement and they are living much more comfortably than some clients of ours that have a few million saved up for retirement. And it all comes down to the type of lifestyle that you're trying to live and, and whether or not it actually works from a numbers perspective. So the sooner you can start, the better. And as far as getting help, I mean, when you're younger, I think getting help is, hey, what habits should I be building from a young age? And that's really going to start to snowball. The power of comp compounding when you're young, you don't really get to see it or feel it until you're much later in life. But it, there is a lot of power to comp compounding and starting early. So building the good habits, I think, is way more important than seeking out that professional help. Eventually, I think it's good at some point that you will need to start building that plan and getting a second set of eyes on what you're doing and getting some answers to these bigger questions. But the, the habits are really where everything should start from. And are you, uh, I mean, this, this is really, really important stuff, really appreciate it. But are, when we talk about habits, are you at all concerned about the non-monetary habits? Uh, in, in other words, uh, I know some people who are pretty comfortable in their retirement from a financial standpoint, but their health isn't really good. And some of the things that are going on are, preventable or they, you know, aren't enjoying life as much as they should for whatever reasons. Are there things, is this a, a totally different area from what you work in or are there some things that uh, that you focus on in this regard too? I guess ours is that uh, the name of our company, let me say it that way, the name of the firm is Peace of Mind Wealth Management. So our end goal is so that we simplify the financial side of retirement. We simplify the financial side of investing so that you can go on and stress way less about that, which is usually money is stressful. That's a lot of it's a it's a pain point in a lot of people's minds and can lead to stress, can lead to other issues. And so if you get that big chunk of your life figured out or have someone that you can trust and that you feel confident in that they're doing the right thing for you, I mean, I think that takes a load off of your mind and a load off of your as far as your ability to start focusing on other things that may be issues, right? If you're so busy being focused on the, the money and the investments, and, and then you also have to maintain your work and you have a family at home, well, it starts to kind of weigh on you. And if you can take some of that away or get some of that figured out to where you're not so worried about it, then you can focus on the things that I think really matter and take care of them. Maybe if, if there are health issues, 
uh, let's address those. Or maybe if there are family issues or whatever it is, you take one thing away, you can focus way more on the others. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, thank you for that. I've got to wonder how much of this is, I guess I'm wondering, there are things like inflation that I guess we can't predict. Some of the medical advances, for example, uh, the uh, I've outlived what what my projected lifespan at, at birth was by, you know, like maybe a couple of decades. So that how can somebody anticipate and, you know, I mean, there are people, you know, I, I don't spend a lot of time reading obituaries, but I do see uh, more people who are dying at 100 and something. And, you know, there, there was certainly a time when I thought, geez, you know, if, uh, if you're pretty well set to 65, 75, uh, you're not going to need more than that. Well, I guess that's that's my question is, are, how can we anticipate some of these both advances? And uh, I know you're not an economist, so I know you can't, we, we can't predict inflation as if they can, but uh how, how do you take these things into consideration? Yeah, I think the biggest thing about it is making sure that we plan for it. And, you know, if you're trying to build a plan, then you be conservative. And when I say conservative, that means you got to essentially plan for the worst, or in this case, plan to be living long or plan for higher inflation than normal. And so, because you're right, we don't know, there's no way to know when we're going to kick the bucket, if you will, or we don't know what inflation is going to be. We have averages that we get to work off of, but the, the minds that put together all these big programs also had no idea how long that this stuff was, or how long people were going to uh, live. I'm, I'm talking specifically about social security and, and long-term care insurance and things like that. They were planning on people not living into their 80s and 90s. And that's why the numbers were what the numbers were. And now we're seeing issues with social security and with long-term care costs and health costs in general, because we've made so many advances that we just can't keep up with some of these programs that the government put in order. So even some of the smartest minds that built these plans didn't think it through properly or didn't have any concept of how long people could live. So the only thing you can do now is go off of what we know, right? Uh, we know that people are living longer. And so it used to be when we built these plans, we were looking at age 85, 87, you know, hey, as long as we have enough money until then, we, we should be okay. Now we're planning out until age 95 to 100, depending on that person's family history, you know, and is it likely that every single one is going to make it to 95, 100? Probably unlikely. But if we plan for it and we know it works in that situation, then we can have some comfort in that. On the side of inflation, we can go off of averages. And what makes me comfortable about the averages is that there's some numbers in there all over the place. So we've got periods of very, very high inflation back in, I believe, in the 70s or 80s, where we saw inflationary rates up in the 10 to 12, 13 percent in a year. And you know, right now we're feeling it because of what's going on in the pandemic, and we're seeing six and seven percent. Uh, projected inflation rates. And we're feeling that, especially when you go to the grocery store, if you go to the gas tank or you try to travel, you're feeling the cost of inflation right now. But if we go back to the averages, the 100-year average, that's got periods where inflation was up in the teens. That's also got periods of where inflation was in a deflationary period, in the negatives. 
but that 100-year average is is 3.2%. So it makes me comfortable when we run our plans, we are running our plans at around three to three and a half percent. What's not very likely is that we see six and seven percent inflation for the for the next 30 or 40 years. That's just not sustainable. It's not good for the economy. It's not good for anyone. Some inflation is good. And so we got to plan on that. So if you if you have it at the three percent and you play that out and it only ends up being two, well. Great. That's that's we've we've planned for much worse than it actually ended up being. Another thing that I will say, you know, when it comes to inflation and you are in those retirement years in the sense of you're not tied to a job, you're not tied to a nine to five, a certain schedule, you have the ability to kind of, in a way, circumvent inflation a little bit. Maybe you don't travel when you used to have to travel, which is when everyone travels, because that's when everyone takes time off from work. You know, maybe you do certain things that are better from that perspective. So you can handle it a little bit better when you're not tied to a schedule. But that's that's a whole nother conversation. Okay. well, I'm going to ask you something that I think I know the answer for, but I was hoping it might be different. But we've been talking about it as if everybody retires. And the reality is that not just me, but. I know a number of other professionals who really enjoy what they do and we're keeping on working. Does that mean, uh, can I save less than, uh, than uh, somebody who retires or, you know, is, is it, it's not really a joke, but I mean, if, if I'm going to work to an age that's beyond what other people work to, is that taken into account in your planning? Oh, definitely. Yeah. We look at it from the perspective of, it's not, it's, it's more of when am I going to stop being able to save money or when am I stop going to have enough, uh, having enough income coming in the door to support my expenses or when do I need to start drawing on my assets to support my lifestyle? So we have plenty of clients that will have plan, fully plan on working well into their seventies with their current company, provided their current company, you know, decides to keep them around. We also have plenty that retired maybe from an executive level position, or uh, we have a lot of pharmaceutical in our area, GSK and all that stuff is in our area. And so we had a lot of pharmaceutical people that essentially retired from their big corporate company. And then they have so many great contacts, so many great relationships that they built over the past 30, 40 years. And the second they retired, they got so many options as far as consultancy work. And, you know, they take that as a part-time type, part-time type of job. And sometimes in some, some cases, they're making better income as a consultant than they were as an employee. So I, the answer is every, everyone's plan is a little bit different. And that's why uh, we don't ever go off of rules of thumb. You know, sometimes they say uh, rules of thumb of you got to have X amount saved up before you retire. Well, I think that's a little bogus. I think it's all very relative to your situation, your lifestyle, and what type of lifestyle you want to live into retirement, and how are you going to fund that lifestyle? So if you haven't saved much, but you plan on working well into your mid-80s and you're covering the bills, well, that's that's a retirement plan in my eyes. So it just depends on the person. Okay. Well, what are some of the, the pitfalls that everybody should kind of avoid, you know, when we think in terms of, of planning for whatever we're doing, getting older and whether we're working or retiring. 
So I think there's a few, and I'll try to be brief on these, but one thing that we are very big on is having a written uh, retirement income plan. And the reason is because it makes you think through a lot of different things. When do you potentially want to retire? And the, the answer that comes out of it is, is this even feasible? Does it actually work in the long term? And so it makes you think about when to retire. It makes you think about how much do you have? Where are my assets? I can't tell you how many times, Ron, that people will not have a clue as to where some of their invested assets are or how much is in those accounts because it makes sense. We get busy. You know, we left the company and that there's a 401k still sitting at that old company and it's still sitting there invested and we kind of forget about it because we got so focused on the new job and we got focused on our family. So knowing where all the assets are um, and then what comes out of that income plan is also having and doing the work to actually understand what, what our expenses are going to be like in, in retirement. That kind of leads me to the second pitfall is, you know, it's not about, yes, having money saved up for retirement is very important. I don't want to ever downplay that, but it, it's way more important to know how much we're going to be spending in retirement than it is to know how much we need to have saved because essentially the spending in retirement is going to answer the other question. So it's not, it's not, we don't always need to be focused on hitting this number, whatever that number may be, a few hundred thousand, a couple million, whatever that number is, it's way more about what's feasible for a retirement plan, which comes down to, well, how much are we going to spend? And do we have the assets to support that spending plan? Another one is understanding your risk. We see it all the time. Um, knowing the risk on your portfolio. Sometimes when we're talking to people that maybe don't work with us yet and they say, my advisor's got me in a conservative portfolio. And when we actually show them the risk on that portfolio by doing some back testing, they go, whoa, I had no idea that I have the potential of losing this amount of money. And so there's, there seems to almost always be some type of disconnect as to what conservative means and then also what it means from a percentage loss capability. So understanding your risk and making sure that your portfolio or your investments kind of line up with what you think risk is. And, and that, that helps the advisor, that helps you to have good expectations. And, you know, I, I think, again, this will go back a little bit to the beginning of what I said about certain families have different situations. And so don't always compare yourself to your neighbor. Build a lifestyle around what you want, and how you see things playing out for your retirement, because your neighbor is going to have a completely different picture of it. And, and you know, every family should be treated differently. Every, every situation should be analyzed differently. Well, as a psychologist, I'm glad we got to the point of individual differences, which is, you know, my goal in, in helping people is to, to, you know, look at yourself as an individual with your own particular needs and not necessarily the same ones as, as your neighbor. So, I mean, it's, it's really good advice. I, I recall also when you were talking about the, this matter of risk, I remember in, in 2008, mm -hmm. um, the uh, people who were losing, who couldn't really afford to suddenly saw their, portfolio dropped by 50% or even more. And, right. you know, we'd been going through a period where things were just going up. And I guess, you know, again, if you hadn't had that experience, I think, I think we all learned from that, that, you know, the very 
it do, if things are going up incrementally, it doesn't mean that the drop will you know, happen so incrementally that you have time to, to get out and, and only lose five or 10%. Um, right. So I think the, the issue of risk is a, a really important one. I, we're, we're now, uh, what is this, 14 years since, since that happened. Uh, I hope people's memories are long enough. Uh, anyway, uh, this has been, you know, really fascinating stuff and even more important than being fascinating is very useful and very helpful. So let me ask, uh, first of all, are there some products or things online or ways that we can benefit more than just hearing you on a podcast? Although you've also got a podcast. So why don't you tell us about what you've got out there. And then if somebody is uh, near Raleigh, how how do they get to you? Or is it something that people can do remotely? Or do you need someone in the same state or whatever? So is that a general enough question? To, to... Yeah, yeah. So let me speak to the, the, the first thing about who we work with. The, the clientele that we work with is someone close to retirement or already retired. So we kind of define that and it's very loosely defined as someone 55 plus and we have clients up in the, their 80s, early 90s, because once they start to work with us, they essentially become a lifelong client is kind of what we're seeing. But we work with people all over the country and, and you know, Zoom and the pandemic, if there's a silver lining out of the pandemic is that everyone's gotten really good at technology. And so we can work with people in, uh, in really in, in any location. But we are all about education. That's why we started the podcast. That's why we wrote the book. Uh, the book is called Secure Your Retirement, and the, the podcast is also called Secure Your Retirement. And it's all about topics that you want to hear about when it comes to thinking out and planning out your own retirement. So topics like Social Security and topics like how to build a uh, retirement plan and different investment strategies, all those different things, uh, we're, we're chatting through them. And, and then, you know, if someone becomes so inclined to want to go further and have a conversation with us, we would tell them to go to our website which is pomwealth.net. So POM stands for peace of mind, wealth.net. And on that, we have a button where you could just click a button and schedule a 15 minute phone call with myself or my business partner, Raiden Stansel, just to get a little bit more in depth about your own personal situation. So we've got a lot of avenues where we can uh, reach out and have a conversation and, or you can learn more about us. But I thank you for your time today, Ron. Well, uh, thank you for, for all you've offered us. And all this contact information will be will be available in the show notes. Your your podcast is it air like weekly or how how often does does it come out? So we actually just made a shift. Uh, we started the podcast in May of 2020, and we started it with two times a week. So we would release an episode on Monday which we could, was, was basically an expert interview. So kind of like what we're doing right now, uh, we bring on someone to talk to. And then on Wednesdays, we would do what we call retirement in action. So do case studies or just my partner and I having a conversation around uh, what is a Roth IRA. So some things that we can just chat about. Um, we have since condensed that as of the beginning of 2022 to just one episode a week uh, airing on Mondays. And we'll still have the interviews. We'll still have the retirement in actions, but just one episode a week. Uh, and again, it's called Secure Your Retirement which is also the name of your book. And where can people get the book? 
Yeah, the best place, it is on Amazon. And uh, if you go to our website, we have a link there with, uh, that would take you straight to the, the book and the Amazon if you'd like to purchase it. Okay, great. Well, again, it's been as I anticipated, both enlightening, informative, entertaining, uh, just a, a wealth of information. And I really, I, on behalf of my listeners, I really, really appreciate you spending the time with us, Mers, and uh, look forward to you know, following up with you, learning more about this whole topic, which, again, it's one of those things that we're all going to have to deal with. So it's uh, real important to get, you know, really enlightening information and kind of concrete guidance as to how to go about it. And it's just been fabulous. So another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser is coming to a close, our guest has been Merz Tariq, and we learned lots of things about retirement, planning for it, and securing it, just uh, in line with the title of, of this book. So hope that you enjoyed it, gained a lot from it. And if you did, hopefully you will tell your friends about it, as well as downloading it, rating it, reviewing it. And coming back next week, we'll have another very informative guest who, again, will help us to lead our lives with enthusiasm. And we can always be a lot more enthusiastic if we're secure about where, where we're headed financially. So, again, the goal is to become best versions of ourselves at every age and We'll be back to talk about it then. In the meantime, please visit the website, the Mental Health Gym, and feel free to be communicating with me at any point relative to all types of topics related to wellness. And so until next time, want to once again remind you, we are still in the pandemic, so stay safe out there. Stay positive, though. We're going to get through this and hopefully as we do so, be able to lead our lives in the fullest possible way, in the most secure way, hopefully for a good long, long time. Take care and we'll see you next week. 